0: Today is Monday, January 30th. The title for our devotional is Roman Leadership. Our current campaign is called The Table. The Table, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, is a powerful symbol of the way of Jesus. At the Table, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, remembering the redemptive, saving work of Christ. At the Table, we remember what ties us together as a community. More broadly, at the Table, we find a symbol of welcome, acceptance, hospitality, and community. In a world where relationships are rended, people are isolated, and groups are polarized, the table is a countercultural symbol of the Christian life. Last week we looked at the betrayal looming like a cloud over the table at the Lord's Supper. This week the conversation at the table takes a rather strange turn towards leadership or who's the greatest among them. The disciples in their discussion of who will betray Jesus, they pivot to discussing who's the greatest. Jesus takes this as an opportunity to teach on leadership in the kingdom of God. Let's read Luke twenty two, twenty four to thirty. Says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves." This concept of leadership and authority in the ancient world was so ingrained in their culture that it was a major point of counterformation for the early church and Jesus' disciples. It's difficult for us to grasp this type of authoritative social structure in our 21st century Western culture. In our culture, we value democracy and diplomacy. Rule of the many over the few. Our entire system of government is built on the principle of shared power and checks and balances. Lots of research is pointing to our culture's distrust in institutions at large today. Institutions are primary structures for leadership and authority. So this trend is another indication of people's view of authority in our culture. It's yet another sign pointing to the locus of authority residing in each individual person not in institutions, societies, or groups within which an individual participates. The ancient world was completely opposite. Following the philosophy of the Greeks, uh, and Aristotle specifically, a locus of authority was found in institutions like the government, religions, and the family. These institutions were sacred, and some of the leaders, government especially, were even deified. Caesar, as the highest authority in the world at this point, boasted nearly limitless power kings and governors who ruled under Caesar shared in that power, to some degree, as his representatives in their local regions. They maintained this authority through military strength. For the people of Judea, this proved to be a complex cocktail of subjugation, with peace and security as well. Hence, Jesus' statement in verse 25 that the kings of the Gentiles exercise authoritarian rule over their people, and yet are called benefactors. A story from the late 1st century historian Flavius Josephus illustrates this well. In his Wars of the Jews, book 3, chapter 9, he documents a Jewish uprising in 67 AD. Nero appoints Vespasian, who later becomes emperor in 69 AD, to put down the rebellion in Judea. He is successful and this catapults his career to emperor after Nero dies, again emphasizing the point that leaders were those who controlled the military the authoritarian strength through power in any case during the jewish rebellion in 67 a.d vespasian sends an emissary to a city in the Decapolis to discover whether the city was friendly to rome or not upon arrival a guy named jesus son of shaphat the leader of a band of robbers he disrespects and attempts to fight against the roman emissary the emissary runs fleeing because he wasn't given orders to fight vespasian responds by sending a larger force to the city When the Romans come to the city, the leaders of the city go out to meet the Romans and tell them that they are actually aligned with them and not the robbers, for fear that the Romans would totally destroy their city. The robbers have since fled to another city, so the army freely enters the city restoring peace from the robbers who lived there before, and even committed to making the city gate bigger and keeping the wall intact. The people then call Vespasian their quote, savior and benefactor. So, we see in this story, the subjugation of the Romans, it also created this system uh, where the Romans gave protection and peace, and they called themselves benefactors for that reason. This protection and peace is likely how they promoted their rule. They likely even convinced themselves that their, often tyrannical, lordship over these people was indeed good for them, because they were their benefactors. So this is the way the, world, the rulers of the world exercised authority. This is not the way of Jesus, and this new community he is creating. Reflection time today, uh, remember, that for the disciples to grasp the way of Jesus in their culture, it required a strong movement of counterformation. The disciples had already been formed by their cultural ideas around leadership and here what constitutes success or being the greatest among them. Under Jesus, they needed to be transformed. So, what are some of your ideas of leadership and greatness that you have adopted from the culture and not from Jesus? Think of your definition of success. Does your definition of success or greatness come more from the culture or more from Jesus? So just explore some of those ideas that perhaps you've adopted without questioning from the culture on success or greatness or leadership, and then re-examine them in the light of Christ.